Hello, this is the Scottish Football Show and here's what's coming up. Foley or Folly, the Hibs have a new football sugar daddy. Is Martindale marching off or can Levy save their season? And the transfer tavern is open with Sky Sports Anthony Joseph. Hello listeners, I am your host, Andrew Slavin, whom some may call the Poundland Stephen Thompson, or the Primark Leanne Crichton. I'll never sell you short though, shining on the greatness of our beautiful game, and even if it does seem a bit batshit at times. Whether you're excited for your team's business in the remaining few days in the transfer window, or you're wallowing in your side's ineptness at passing a ball, rest assured, you will definitely not find us staying out wide, keeping our mouths shut. Joining me on the touchline, screaming nonsense and desperately trying to find the nearest dog to take a photo of, it's TNT's senior producer, Laura Brannan. Hiya, pal. That is the most accurate description I've ever heard anyone refer to me as. <laughs> Anytime I see you on Instagram and you're at a ground filming whatever you're filming, there's always going to be a caveat of, I'm going to see a dog in this story at some point. And I'm probably screaming nonsense at the same time. You, yeah, mostly on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but from from one end of the broadcasting coin to the other, we have Sky Sports deputy producer joining us, Andrew Dixon. Hello, mate. Hello. How are you? Doing very well. I'm I'm liking this TNT versus Sky Sports on the on the podcast tonight. Yeah, it's uh, yeah New Year, and we're just going to get right into it and duff each other up. Uh, I did actually work on something the other day where I think Sky Sports and TNT were taking each other on for the Green Football Weekend. So, uh, and the great news is that Sky Sports won. So, long that can try. Andrew, I'm interested at what you kind of do at Sky, deputy producer. There's producers for this, producers for that. There's assistant producers. There's associate producers. There's senior producers. But what does a deputy producer do? Or is it what is it? Uh, I, I think probably from one company to the next, like you say, different titles mean slightly different things. Some people will tell you I do nothing at all. That's not the case. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I work in Sky Sports News, um, kind of primarily overseeing the production of the sport bulletins that go out on Sky News. Uh, so I kind of produce them uh, to an extent myself, but it's kind of largely about overseeing other people doing it. And uh, now um, also produce a program a couple of times a week that goes out in the international feed. On uh, on Sky News, uh, and then involved in things like training people um, in screen tests, which are kind of like essentially additions for um, for presenters um, when they come around. I'm involved in the uh, the coordination of that and production of it as well. So it's quite wide ranging, but uh, yeah, yeah, good fun. Enjoy it. Screen tests for future presenters. That's good to know, Andrew. We've known each other a few times, and we? Yeah, we have. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, Laura, you're senior producer not because of an age thing either. It's because you're class, right? I'm going to tell myself that. <laughs> it's absolutely not because I'm in my mid-30s. It, it shows your level within your team, I think, is fair to say. Mm. Um, there's some that work um, at a lower level with less experience who have not been in the industry for as long. And there's some above me that have been in it far longer than me and have far more experience. So it's just going to show you exactly where you kind of sit and... The mm. level of kind of importance your job is as well, whether you kind of do the hands-on work yourself or you oversee it a lot more and you're involved more in the kind of planning side of things and making sure things run smoothly than actually going out and rolling your sleeves up and getting muddy yourself. 
Right, guys, uh, let's leave that boring stuff to the side now. So let's have a laugh. Um, who can kick things off for me that's happened over the weekend or the, or the recent few days uh, that's given us a good old jolly? Laura, do you want to kick things off? Yeah, something that happened a few days ago I found quite interesting. It was um, the Danish side, Mitchelland. They came to Scotland for a kind of training camp, if you can call it that. So they went to the Cairngorms and did this camping um, expedition for three days and the players were forced to live in extreme conditions they had to go and hunt their own food and pitch their own tents <laughs> and trek through the snowy mountains of the scottish highlands um there's a there's a seven minute youtube video on their official account and it's actually really good it's done like a proper documentary um where the the, the manager takes them out and forces them to survive like to survive in the wild and it's he says if you don't catch your own food you don't eat it's as, it's as simple as that um and it kind of reminded me of the time when gary caldwell took his party thistle squad out to um, yeah. some sort of ar army regime it was sas training wasn't it yeah <laughs> um the fact that a danish club are coming over to do this now I can get on board with this. I'd quite like to see more of our teams go up there and do this during the winter break. Did they bump into Rocky Balboa when he was preparing for his site with Ivan Drago at any point? <laughs> oh, God. No, I'd, I'd highly That's... recommend checking out the seven-minute video on their YouTube account because it's very, very good. I've had a look at it. Yeah, it's it's, the... it's pretty well made. Really Fair good. play to the players, by the way, getting right on board with it because they're, they're facing all the elements. They're going, I'm 21 years old. I've never been exposed to anything like this before. Interesting. I'll keep an eye on their season. I I I want to come in with the. Uh... In fact, no, Andrew. What have you got? And then I'll I'll finish us off uh, for this wee section. Uh, yeah, I mean, one that was spotted was the announcement video on social media from Dundee for uh, Michael Mellon, uh, son of the former Dundee United manager Mickey Mellon, and essentially it was just a whole load of melons, uh, which was um, <laughs> was was good. Uh, I mean, I, I think. Uh, I don't know if they've got somebody new in there at Dundee or if someone's been let off the leash a little bit more because I think they had one recently for, <laughs> was it Ryan Astley, I think it was, and it was all Rick Astley songs on it as well. So yeah. um, clearly having a bit of fun uh, with it. I see, to be honest, um, just basic humour. I'm on board with that because I, I think a lot of people when they do announcement videos these days, they really overthink it and it becomes very complicated and it's, you know they try to make it real production totally value. Totally agree. You know, just stick a Rick Astley song on or, or some pictures of Melons and uh, yeah, I'm with it. So that probably sounds worse than it is. But uh, yeah, it was really, really good. The, the beauty of that video, and I've spoken to Laurie about this before, she dis she hates it, right? Shows you like her level of humour. But the, the fact that the melons are all obviously on something that's spinning slowly and as it's rotating, it's just like that. And then Michael Mellon comes in just the same. It's, 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 it's like, it's great. It's very shooting stars. Yeah. Bob belt. Yeah. Brilliant. I loved oh, it. God. I, 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 it's really, I do like the fact that another melon is in Dundee. Because uh, when Mickey Mellon was at Tranmere Rovers, I remember working on, on their games and the fan, there was one particular fan, you'll find it on Google, used to wear a melon on his head. Like <laughs> just carved a little melon helmet in solidarity with uh, with uh, the melon. But there you go. Uh, I'm going to finish off with, uh, this is actually a story Laura's put in because it's class. Uh, Scotland's camp for the Euros uh, has been announced. It's going to be in Garmisch Partenkirchen. Like I said that right. It's located in the south of Germany, near the border with Austria, uh, and is 
also located next to Mount Wank. Uh, yes, Mount Wank. Mountain, Wank of Mountains, or the Mountain of Wanks. Uh, the cable car that gets you up to the mountain is called the Wank Ban. Uh, and the summit is called Wank View. Ah, of course it is. So what are you if you claim it? You're just another line of wankers. Do you know, that reminds me of a uh, thing from like many, many years ago, because uh, my, my dad was still around. One Christmas, we were sitting having Christmas dinner on the TV's on, and it was uh, it was like back when Ski Sunday was on the BBC, and uh, there was a, a downhill skier, I think it was from Austria, called Andreas Wank, and he came up on the screen, and the graphic comes up with his name, but instead of Andreas Wank, it just said A Wank. <laughs> and that was it. So, and it was just like, well, we're in the middle of Christmas dinner. It was great. This we've gone away from football, <laughs> but yeah, Scotland's camp. Scotland's camp is going to be near um, Mount Wank. So hopefully, we will perform better than that. So beautifully Scottish football. Yeah, exactly. There's some other news though, Laura. You put in here as well, which is nice. Gibraltar and Finland are confirmed as our send-off friendlies before the Euros. We go to Gibraltar and Faro on the third of June, which is really. Have you ever been to Gibraltar? No, it's it's Pharaoh we're playing the game. So we're playing Gibraltar oh, sorry. in Pharaoh. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I have been to Gibraltar and I have been to Pharaoh. Um my dad drove onto the um runway at Gibraltar's airport by mistake. But we're not going there. Uh we're going to Portugal instead. And then uh, the farewell game at Hamden on June the seventh, which will be hopefully a nice atmosphere. Right, on to some news. And uh, an interesting one to start off with here, guys. Hibernian are looking, well, more likely to become another club under this multi-club partnership run by billionaire Bill Foley, who is the owner of Bournemouth, who also already has the French League One club, Lorient, in his roster. He was made to wait uh, by the SFA, who had to green light the deal because of the rules surrounding dual ownership and they had to be satisfied that the American wouldn't have a major say in running of the club. So the US businessman is set to buy 25% stake in the club with an ejection of about £6 million, which is apparently going to be used for restoration of the stadium and like academy facilities and whatnot. But the one thing that he has came out and said is that he does want to have influence on player acquisition and placement of players as well, which sounds like... Basically, the club are going to get a lot of money, but the club could get some Bournemouth players, could get some Lorient players. Maybe you wouldn't want Lorient players because they're bottom of League One right now. <laughs> but what is your take on this, first of all, Andrew? Because it's interesting. Money coming from a Premier League club, essentially, into Scottish football. Should this be a good thing or is it one to be wary of? Um. I think Laura and I are maybe going to disagree on this a little bit because we were both on the show with Finn back in about October, November, where we we spoke about the prospect of of this kind of thing happening. Um, Finn, as many of you know, is is uh, working at Melbourne, um, over in Australia, obviously, uh, part of the City Football Group, and, and he went into kind of great detail in that episode about um, how that all works in terms of how the clubs tie in with each other. This has been on the agenda for quite a few months now, so it's not a surprise to see um, that it's going through. Um, my stance, and I think this is what I said back then as well, that was that 
I don't think there are many people in Scotland who are in a position to be particularly choosy about this kind of thing in terms of just turning it down uh, and like, no, we're not doing it. We've got traditions to stick to. I think Scotland and Scottish clubs, um, the, the bulk of them, are probably going to have to move in the times a little bit here. Um, I think having listened to Finn back then and obviously you'll be able to go back and listen to that episode, um, I, I thought it sounded like there were far more positives than negatives. Um, I'd imagine the fact that he wants to have some control on the acquisition of, of play, players and the placement of players, presumably that will be to do with, as you say, like the fact that you may want to put a Bournemouth player up to Hibs or you may want to put somebody from Lorient over to Hibs. Um, and, and to be honest, even if Lorient are bottom of, of league and that's still a very good level. Uh, that league overall will be a good bit stronger than, than the Scottish Premiership, obviously. Um, so I, I don't think that's something that clubs can really afford to turn their noses up at. Uh, you know, the investment of £68 million, pretty good money in this day and age. Obviously, I mean, Scottish clubs are commanding a little bit more these days in, in the transfer market and what have you, but £68 million is still £68 million. Um, I... Would if I was in that position at Hibs, I'd be very much going into that with my eyes open. We obviously, know about Dundee and and something with Burnley as well, and I think you're going to see more and more of it. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think it's more of a good thing than a bad thing. I think it probably does need a lot of due diligence and a bit of further investigation. Absolutely, I'm not saying just jump at it because it's free money or or whatever. I don't mean it like that, but uh, I do think that the, the Scottish clubs are probably going to have to buy into this, even if it will probably go against what some supporters and people attached to the clubs are, are maybe keen on. It's interesting that, that that episode that you're mentioning, Andrew, that's episode 14, and it was well-named well Red Bull Killy uh, back in October. But Laura, is this a case of, is, is money coming into Scottish football just a good thing? Or should we be a bit more concerned about what the plans are for the use of that money? I did mention that, um, you know, restoration of Easter Road and and training facilities, that's all good. But what about the club's ambition? Is it going to benefit Bournemouth and Bill Foley more than it will benefit Hibs? Yeah, I think you've got to look at there's a bit of both here. Um, And I kind of do sit on the fence with this one. More money into clubs, obviously, it's a no-brainer that's going to be beneficial. Um, It's great to see that they're thinking about improving facilities academies stadium whatever that is that's absolutely welcome of course um what it where it kind of becomes a bit of a concern is the long-term picture here how long do they plan for this this money coming through what is the plan after this owner gets bored um moves on to a different club are they financially in a position to just return to the way things have been going or will it cripple them in any way uh, so there's, there's there's kind of those pictures here. I don't think it will necessarily benefit Bournemouth more. Um, there's a an argument there that, yeah, that we'll, we'll see a better calibre of players in our league. Um, maybe not so much even just Bournemouth youngsters coming through, but also players that they want to get to Bournemouth eventually. And they want to maybe give, put them in Scotland first to pass permit regulations. But at the same time, there is an argument on the flip side of that of, well, the club's possibly going to struggle to develop its own talent and its own Scottish youngsters at the same time because they're busy developing these players for other clubs. Mm-hmm. I can very much see the arguments on both sides of this. I'm not 
completely against it. Um, as I say, more money coming into the game and if it's going to make the likes of Hibs or Dundee stronger and seeing them compete at a higher level, then, then brilliant. Of course, we all want them to compete for the title. Um, mm-hmm. If a little bit of injection of money is the, the reason behind that, fine, okay, but we're still going to see them compete on the pitch. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of kind of things to just be a little bit cautious about. And we have obviously been talking about this since October, as you're saying. I think it's something that we're going to have to be cautious about for many months to come as we start seeing this kind of creep into the game more. It's not just, yay, money, woohoo, it's all good. Um, <laughs> let's just be a little bit careful. Well, what what do you both think then? On There's, there's maybe some Hibs fans out there that think, and it's been kind of, maybe it's just media talk, this idea of, this deal trying to close the gap on Celtic and Rangers. My personal opinion, I don't think it's realistic, but what do what do you think, Andrew? Do you think this could close the gap? Or it's, it's maybe not enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably not a bad way to, to summarise it. I'm sure if you are bringing in players who are you know, attached to a, an English Premier League club or a, a club from Ligue 1 in France, um, you would imagine that they are probably going to have the kind of quality that Hibs and Dundee would be interested in. Um, so, you know, I mean, like Dundee, for instance, uh, um, I kind of I spend my life going between London and, and Glasgow, and when I'm in London, I, I live in Wimbledon, so I have to have a kind of slight interest in AFC Wimbledon. Now, AFC Wimbledon have loaned Will Nightingale to Ross County, uh, can't really get a game for... Wimbledon, so he's been loaned out for the season, and then uh, Zach Robinson is at Dundee as well from AFC Wimbledon. Uh, again, he's a, a lad who wasn't really getting game time at, at Wimbledon. Now, Wimbledon are doing all right this season, but they're in League Two in the EFL, uh, the you know. So if you're getting people who are on the fringes at Bournemouth or, or Lorient, you would imagine that it's going to be a better standard of player than those two players I've mentioned. And I don't wish to sound disrespectful to those guys or anything like that, but they're guys who can get a game in League 2 but are coming up here and I think Nightingale will score against uh, Celtic at the weekend they had this, the bar and with a, a header for County and it's, it's been played regularly so um, I think that you will certainly see if if it plays out the way we're discussing it um, and you do have players coming in from those clubs you would see players of a standard um, coming up here that's probably a bit better and also what you would have um, you know whereas you have some loan spells um, you know, that, that don't work out because a player has kind of gone to another club and they're not actually that interested in it. Players would be going to Hibs and, and to Dundee very much with the message, I'm sure, that you have to go there and do well because this is part of our group and we want you to do well there because the next step logically would then be that you come back to us and you, you get into our team and, you know, that that's a great carrot to dangle at NMD. You know, you're going to get games in the English Premier League, you're going to get games in the league. And so is it going to be enough to close the gap and challenge one half of the old farmer or the other, I mean, not thought so. Um, I think the, the golf is still too big. Uh, but, you know, over the course of time, who knows? You know, maybe it, maybe it does just slowly chip away at it and, and we do get to a point where actually the gap does narrow a little bit. And goodness knows, Scottish football could really do with that. 1985 is the last time somebody other than uh, Celtic or Rangers won the league. So um, it would be great for the competition. Um, but I think to get to that stage, it's probably unrealistic to think that this kind of thing is just going to lead to a total change of, of events. I think it would take an awful long time. I know change can sometimes always kind of breed fear in a lot of people, and I'm always an advocate for change. I think change can always be good. My only one concern is just the development of young Scottish players at Hibs. 
And anyone who's who's a homegrown talent at Hibs, in my eyes, probably isn't going to stay at Hibs anyway. But they're just going to benefit Bournemouth. Maybe that's fine. I don't know. But sometimes you just want to keep some of your good players. And if they're really good for one season, then they go back to they go to Bournemouth. And then they don't do so well, they go back to Hibs. But I just don't know. I just think it's a bit confusing. I'd like I'd like to see it a few years down the line and it's really positive. And maybe there's more money brought into the club and maybe that's the idea and that's what will, will happen going forward. I just don't want young Scottish players to be affected by their progression um, getting into Hibs and whatnot. But Dundee have, have, have shown some good acquisitions already, getting Michael Mellon in, who I, I'd seen a few times in the AFL and looks a really good player. 20, I think what was it, 13 goals in 22 games for Morecambe this season and he's gone up to the Scottish Premiership to play for Dundee and it was two assists and a goal so maybe Hibs are going to benefit just as much as Dundee are as well I hope I hope moving on Peterhead have launched uh, a new area for their ultras group at the weekend have you seen this it's really good Um, it's a it's a shipping container uh, but it's been it's been done up and it's been named the wreck uh, and it's really added some atmosphere because uh, it was a huge result at the weekend, um, kicking things off for them well. Uh, Peter Head ended the League Two leaders, Stenhouse Muir, um, 12 match uh, winning streak that they were on. They won 2 1 uh, to the host, thanks for a brace from Hamish Ritchie, just like a super Scottish name. Um, but it's, it's great to see another club getting involved in its community and engaging with its, you know, its super fans. And getting things moving and creating more of an atmosphere. Laura, you you love this stuff. It's great. It's a great story. Yeah, it looks class. Um, it is literally a forty foot shipping container, and it has been put <laughs> down next to the stand in Balmour, and it looks brilliant. It's all been decorated. Uh, if I, I think it first came from the the young group of fans, first asking if they could bring their drum in. And it's just grown from there. Uh, they've decided to get it funded, uh, decorated it, converted it into a terrace stand. <laughs> Absolute fair play to them. Um, and that can be their little area they call their own and it's going to bring all the noise and the colour of match days. So fair play to them. You, you see nowadays that, you know, like shipping containers, there's restaurants and all sorts in them and you get these box park things popping up that um, are kind of entertainment venues. So, I mean, why shouldn't you have a, a football stand made out of one as well? And, and see, to be honest, Peterhead are to be applauded. You know, they're in a difficult, difficult part of the world in terms of they're way up there in the northeast. It's quite hard to attract players um, beyond, you know, maybe the better performers in the Highland League, for instance, or you know, uh, players who haven't quite made it at Aberdeen or, or you know, Ross County or Inverness, I suppose, as well. Uh, so they've got to think outside the box a little bit more. And what Laura's saying there about embracing the community—that's exactly what it is. Um, they're purposely saying, "Look, this is a place for the ultras to go." So it actually gives them a, 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 an identified part of the stadium, if you like, where that's where they'll be. It will generate an atmosphere, and it will generate an atmosphere as well, I've got no doubt about it. So, um, yeah, mm. you know, wouldn't be surprised if there's another shipping container or two put in there as well, because <laughs> uh, I suspect that it will be quite a successful venture. And, uh, yeah, I, I think clubs in this day and age, I mean, I think there's been um, a reliance from a lot of clubs on... Uh, you know, having artificial parks so they can bring in extra revenue that way. But you know, if they're proactively finding ways to improve the atmosphere, and you know, it's a shipping container, but it's still cover that wasn't there previously. So you know, it, it's maybe a slightly better place to watch your football from uh, than 
that's as good a way as, as any for me to, to you know bring extra revenue into clubs as well it's adding atmosphere and it's getting more people interested and in going along to, to see a game that can only be a good thing yeah adding to the match the experience it's it's so important especially in Scott Shrivel uh, I should have saved that story for last because now I'm going back downhill with some negative stories uh, because Edinburgh City uh, have been docked six points after they failed to pay players wages on time they also face a winding up order after failing to pay taxes due to HMRC. Um, but yeah, it's it's a dire strait of affairs for Edinburgh, you know, sitting bottom of the table. Chairman John Dixon uh, has came out also to say that the club, some crumb of, of hope, club have found an arrangement with HMRC and he is confident that they can fulfil all their fixtures until the end of the season. Worrying times, uh, a club who desperately fund him because at the end of the day, it's fine if you can get to the end of the season, but what happens after that? The dogs bark and the caravan passes. The caravan keeps moving. The caravan keeps going. Okay, so the transfer window closes 30 minutes. 30 minutes earlier than normal this year. Uh, the deadline being 11.30 rather than midnight this Thursday, uh, the 1st of February. Delighted to say, though, we are joined for a lowdown of what's to expect this week by, if you haven't guessed, if you're watching this on YouTube already, Sky Sports News' Anthony Joseph. Can I just compliment you on your perfect framing <laughs> with Sky Sports News branding? He's, he's thought of everything here. Good to hear. Hopefully, hopefully I get a bonus for that. <laughs> <laughs> A Mars bar in the post, mate. Yeah. So how how are things? How how is how is your plans for this week? How many phone calls? How many burner phones have you got? <laughs> just the one burner phone at the moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, just plan on being busy, I guess. Even if deals don't go through, there's still a lot of inquiries made, a lot of interest, a lot of uh, approaches. So that keeps you busy. Um, even if deals don't get over the line, I think a lot of people down here especially in, in England are talking about it being a quiet window for the Premier League but there's still there's definitely for us journalists uh, it's busy because you're keeping track of who's uh, making moves where or who's making approaches and while uh, not a lot of business has been done uh, in both in England and Scotland uh, it's, it's still quite a busy time for us. I'm interested uh, just kick things off really with Celtic um, and there's a few things knocking around Sydney fan Hoydonk is an interesting one that I've heard on the on the list of things that could be happening yeah so I think a commentator's slip of the tongue made this go a bit further than it has done um, <laughs> uh, he wasn't left out of the team uh, Bologna's team against AC Milan because of an imminent move to Celtic but he is a player that Celtic have been tracking for, for quite some time and we, we reported on this in the summer that he was a player they were looking at uh, bringing in. But at the moment, as things stand, there's not been any contact in this window, but just over the weekend, he was made available on loan uh, by Bologna. So Celtic are on the hunt for a striker. They're also on a hunt for a left-back. It's looking very unlikely they're going to get players in on permanent deals between now and and the end of uh, the transfer window. So a striker on loan, Sidney Van Hoydonk is on loan. There's a lot of Celtic have been tracking him. There's a lot of links there. And he is the son of Pierre Van Hoydonk, who is also his agent. 
So very handy <laughs> for the connections there. And Scottish football loves the son of a former football great, don't they? Mm. Sorry if you can hear my dog crying in the background, by the way. That's the the mum is home and she's crying away. But anyway, what else has been going on? Because there was the whole Matt O'Reilly link to, and I think it was Atletico Madrid. What happened there? Yeah, so Celtic rejected a loan bid from Atletico Madrid for Matt O'Reilly. This bid was essentially a permanent move as it included an obligation to buy for around £20 million. I mean, Celtic value him a bit higher than that, but their stance this window has been quite clear that he's not for sale and that Mm -hmm. it's been told to us that the player is quite happy at the club just now. But my understanding is that Celtic won't stand in his way if an elite club come in for him in the future. I would be very surprised if Matt O'Reilly is still at Celtic uh, at the end of the summer transfer window. And what will be interesting is whether someone goes in for him before the Euros or after, because his stock could rise even further if he has a good Euros with Denmark. And he's already broken into the Denmark squad um, quite recently. So Celtic are in a strong position for negotiating a deal um, if this is going to be in the summer as he recently signed a new four-year contract, uh, they'd be looking for a record fee if he was to go. And that's upwards of £25 million. They got £25 million from Jota last summer. They'd be mm-hmm. looking for something between 25 and 30 at least, I would think, uh, for Matt O'Reilly. And whether Atletico come back in for him, uh, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, if he has a good Euros, that there could be quite a few clubs making moves for him. What's happened with uh, Lauren Shankland then, Anthony? He's um, he recovered from his um, avoiding cup tiredness illness uh, and suddenly played in two league <laughs> games. Is he going to Rangers? I don't know. I think if Rangers were to sign him, the fee would be so much higher than they would than it would be if uh, uh, an English Championship club, for example, was going for him. Uh, there is a Celtic and Rangers tax in Scotland, which is fair enough as well. Uh, and I'm sure when we talk about Wiovski, there's there's that uh, issue there as well. I mean, but in terms of Hearts, Hearts' perspective, they, they want to tie him up on a new deal. They've offered him a new contract, uh, one that would see him uh, as one of the highest paid players ever at Hearts. And it, ha- it hasn't been signed yet, but Stephen Naismith was saying the other day that we can expect, or he hopes, to announce a few more contract extensions Obviously, last week we had uh, Craig Halkett and Craig Gordon on new deals. So Shankland would be a huge boost for the club. Uh, just like uh, Laura was saying, he's, he's played the last two games. He scored at the weekend against Aberdeen. He still has a year and a half left on his current deal. Uh, but Hearts want to put themselves in the best negotiating um, position, like we were talking about with O'Reilly. If they can tie him up on a long-term contract, it puts them in a position where they can demand a certain fee uh, if they go into the summer window and he still hasn't signed a new contract he's got one year left on his deal that fee is not going to be as high as it would be if they were to mm-hmm. sell now but from Shanklin's perspective he's got to think about he's 28 turning 29 later this year this could be the last big move or big contract he could get of his career and clubs may not be willing to pay top dollar for someone who's 28, 29. Uh, so he might be thinking, if do, do I hold off here because I can get myself a better club? Because if I 
I sign a bumper contract with Hearts now, a club might not pay upwards of whatever, six million, seven million, or, or whatever Hearts mm-hmm. don't know the fee Hearts would be looking for. But uh, he's got to think about his own career as well. And when you're around that age of 28, 29, you're either looking for your next, your last big contract or your last big move. Well, well Andrew, do you think he would start at Rangers? When you look at the Old Firm game at the end of December, uh, I think you saw very vividly the difference between where Celtic and Rangers are at the moment. Celtic have a striker who, on the big occasions, turns up and scores goals. Rangers do not have that at the moment. Dessers, although he's got better, I don't think he's the answer. Um, And I think somebody who scores goals costs a lot of money. Um, For me... Shankland is proven in the Scottish Premiership and even if there is an old firm tax I still think that Shankland is probably going to be a more realistic signing financially than somebody from another league with the same kind of track record in terms of the number of goals they score um, so you know even if he does have 18 months still to go uh, he grew up supporting Rangers my understanding is that he would be keen on a move to, to Ibrooks. Uh so I I'm quite surprised that we've got to this point in the transfer window and there still doesn't really seem to be much in the way of concrete movement from, from Rangers on it. Um, obviously, there, there's still a few days to go. We'll see what happens. But I, I think he probably would start, to, to answer your question. I've kind of taken a while to get to, to the answer. But yeah, I do. I mean, <laughs> Fabio Silva's come in. Uh, he's more mobile than Sam Lammers was, who's obviously gone in, uh, and uh, gone over to Utrecht. Uh, but... Silva's not an out-and-out striker. Silva will flit mm-hmm. across the uh, the front three and uh, can be utilised probably in all areas. But is he going to score 10 to 15 goals in the, the second half of the season? I don't think so. Uh, to be honest, I had a conversation the other day with somebody. I'd be surprised if he gets more than four or five. Uh, I don't think he's somebody that's going to do that for Rangers. Uh, Dessers is probably five or six goals away from actually statistically having a fairly reasonable first season at Rangers. But... I still don't think that's going to be enough. They need a proven goal scorer in there. And for me, Lawrence Shankland, um, when you consider where he's coming from, uh, the, the background that he has, I, I think it would be a good sign. And I, I do very much think he would start. I think he would spearhead the attack. Uh, be similar to Chris Boyd going to, to Rangers 15 or so years ago. Uh, I would expect the, the same kind of impact from him as well as Boyd had back then. What about... Um interesting in Italy at the moment Anthony, the likes of Lewis Ferguson we've already seen Josh Doig move uh, to Sassuolo which is a pretty good move even though he almost thought he was going to France uh, and Marseille but what's the latest on Lewis Ferguson, is that something that could change in the summer rather than this month? Yeah, uh, I, I don't think Lewis Ferguson's going to move in this window um, but he's definitely worth mentioning because he's attracting a lot of interest from some of the top clubs in Europe. Uh, I'm talking elite clubs like Juventus, Bayern Munich. There's also a lot of interest from English Premier League clubs that I know of, but can't name those clubs yet. His stock is very high at the moment. I mean, he's captain of Bologna. He's not just a player mm-hmm. of Bologna, a key player. He's captain of the team. They're seventh in Serie A and just a few points off the Champions League spots. And he's such a key player for them. Bologna, uh, I remember, said something in December that they'd be looking for a fee of at least 20 million euros. And so that's about 16, 17 million pounds. Uh, that could change if he has a good euros. If he has a good second half of the season or a good euros uh, for, for Scotland, you could see a, a, a top club paying 
a high fee, a higher fee than that uh, for Lewis Ferguson. And yeah, it's just good to see a, a, a young Scottish player attracting interest from those kind of clubs. Juventus have already made, the, I think the the price uh, that Bologna put on him in December was because Juventus had been in contact. So we know there's concrete interest mm. from these clubs. It's not just uh, uh, sort of making inquiries through intermediaries. There's actually been concrete uh, contact from Juventus. Uh, so th- there'd be a lot more clubs looking at him in the summer. I think they just want to see him do a full, do a full season as captain and uh, see how he goes and, and see where where he can lead them. But I watched him the other night as well, uh, away to AC Milan. And uh, as, although he gave away a pen, it was quite harsh, but uh, he, he was very <laughs> good. It was, uh, it, it, yeah. really, it was really good to see. And you just wonder where he fits into that Scotland midfield because Scotland are blessed oh, no. with, with central midfielders. Yeah, they certainly are. He is the highest scoring Scot, isn't he, in the Serie A ever? So <laughs> pretty impressive stuff. Is there is there anything else, Anthony, we should... Keep our eye on. Are there any surprise movements or are there clubs in the Scottish Premiership that might be doing a lot of business very soon? Yeah, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on Aberdeen at the moment because, uh, I mean, Barry Robson's under a lot of pressure. The whole Aberdeen mm-hmm. sort of structure is under a lot of pressure and a lot of people wondering why they're giving Barry Robson this transfer window and then if he has a bad run of results, they might have to get rid of him. They've all, they're head of recruitment has been allowed that uh, Jordan Miles has been uh, is staying for this window and then is moving to Leeds, but he's helping Barry Robson out for this window. Uh, in terms of outgoings for Aberdeen, they they must keep hold of Miofsky because he is such an influential player in that squad and they've had plenty of interest. I mean, I've been told that there's been over 20 clubs who have made inquiries about Boya Miofsky. But at this stage, there's been no concrete bids. Uh, Aberdeen would be looking for a record fee of between five to six million pounds if he was to move out of Scotland. He has been linked with a move to Celtic as well. I'd be very surprised if Celtic did make a move because Aberdeen would want more than six million pounds. I I think it would be nearer eight, eight million to 10 million if Celtic were to come in. But I don't think that is going to be the case because of the price tag there. The kind of figures that Anthony's talking about there as well—that's a that's a fantastic piece of business from Aberdeen to to get him in that to get him in the first place, and then to get him in that kind of deal, um, they stand to make an awful lot of money from him. Yeah, I mean, great bit of business. Five hundred thousand—that is brilliant. Well, let's keep our eyes on Aberdeen in the coming days, folks. Big men are up from the back. El Mahani right foot. Whips it. Oh, jeezy peeps, man. Right, let's round up uh, what happened at the weekend then, very briefly, because by the time this goes out, everyone will probably have heard everything. So, yeah, that's where we are. Uh, I'd like to kick things off, though, with Livingston and Dundee, because there's a lot of. Well, it was interesting uh, listening to David Martindale. 4 1 defeat for Livingston. And. David Martindale kind of cutting a distraught figure um, and pointing the finger at himself. And this is a man who once said that the only person that would take me away from Livingston is is Livingston. You know, he's had interest in the past from other clubs because he is the longest serving manager in the Scottish Premiership. But this was against a 10-man Dundee at 2-1 as well. So to finish 4-1, 
Um, I just wonder what you think, Andrew, on on Martindale's future there. It's been a strange season for for Martindale. Obviously linked with St. Johnson. St. Johnson were keen to to have him, and and then that never materialised. Um, you know, I, I think you said earlier on yourself that change is a good thing from time to time. I, I can't help but feel that there maybe at that point was with Livingston down in, in Martindale. Um, he has done a terrific job there. I think um, there won't be many people that would argue Livingston should always be a bit higher than they are. You know, I think they perhaps punched above their weight uh, in a couple of seasons with, with Martindale in charge. Um, but yeah, it's starting to look a little bit perilous. You know, and if you're losing 4-1 to Dundee, uh, get a trip to Rangers coming up who have got a bit of momentum as well at the moment. And you, you kind of fear for them a little bit going to Ibrooks, and in turn, that would then be another defeat, and and you probably fear for Martindale a little bit. And um, I can understand why the St Johnson move was something that he didn't proactively try to to make it happen. It seemed to me to be a bit of a sideward step, but it wasn't any kind of progression as such. Uh, but at the same time, um, it does seem a little bit as though he's maybe just about run his course. So. Um, mm. An interesting next few weeks and months for David Martindale because I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if his time at, at Livingston does come to an end. Uh, but from that point, where does he then go after that? Um, you know, because St Johnson didn't happen, and, and that probably is the kind of club that he would go to. Uh, I, I just don't know where he would go from here. So uh, interesting to see yeah. how it goes. I mean, you know, he's been good at getting a rise out of his team in the past. It doesn't really seem to be happening to the same extent this season. And um, can he draw on what he's done previously to, to get a, a positive response? Um, you know, it's a, a horrible uh, place to be trying to, to get it. I, I look so it would have been the same if it was at Celtic Park as well. So, yeah, um, not looking great for him at the moment, I've got to say. Ross County on Tuesday, then Rangers on Saturday. You'd have to say is is a must-win, Laura, for Livings to turn their season around. No, it's not. It's absolutely what? not. Okay, moving on. <laughs> We're halfway through a season and especially at the bottom end of the table, it, there's so much still to happen. Like, of course, it doesn't put it in their favour at all because they're two games ahead of Ross County. And six points behind them. Yeah, so it's not going to be favourable for them. But I just think that, especially at the lower end of this league, so much can still happen over the course of February, March, April. I mean, come on, we're, we're so far from even hitting the business end of the season yet that you can't really get a team in January. Laura, is it not a must win for Martindale though? Yeah. No. Uh, I just think he is part of the bricks at Livy and okay, he might step himself down as manager uh, for the sake of the team, but he's still going to be so heavily involved with the club in a different role. He'll step into a director of football role. He'll still be doing largely the same sort of job at the club. He's not going to leave Livingston that I don't think much will change. He'll always be there. Livingston will continue to be fighting at the bottom of the table. And I don't think a game against Ross County on Tuesday, a game against Rangers on Saturday, is going to determine their future in any way whatsoever right now. I, I disagree with that on Martindale staying at Livingston because surely any new manager who's coming in doesn't want the old manager hanging about. And especially in a director of football role where the, the new manager, sorry, the old manager has stepped out of that role to then tell the new manager how to do his job. I just, I don't think that kind of thing. Personally, you know, I mean, maybe that will happen and, and you know, if Livingston choose to go down that road and it works for them, then then great. But I, I struggle to see how that kind of arrangement uh, in the longer term would work. So, I mean, I think if Martindale goes as manager, he has to go from the club. Yeah, very interesting. But a, a fantastic win for Dundee, who um, are really punching for a top six finish. 
St Mirren had, uh, well, another defeat against Rangers. I was looking back at Stephen Robinson. It was 1-0 to Rangers uh, at the weekend. I was looking back at Stephen Robinson's record against Rangers, and it absolutely stinks. I'm sorry to say, he's been on the pod. He had a great start to the season, and he's done wonders for St Mirren. Um, but his games against Rangers, I think he's only beaten them once as a manager. Uh, so he's lost 16 in 21 games against Rangers. He just doesn't know how how really to beat them. One win in the last five. They're still fifth. Celtic were 1-0 winners against Ross County. Um, scoring in the first minute, Alistair Johnson with a really... That was a dribbly goal and a half. Moving on to Hearts and Aberdeen, and particularly focusing on Aberdeen because we, we mentioned it earlier on. Uh, Barry Robson under a lot of pressure. Hearts were 2-0 winners in this game. And we heard, I saw on X, as we call it now. Do we? For... <laughs> <laughs> who does it's still twitter it's no x i hate this but we have to do it it's x now no we don't but <laughs> okay okay laura in the um, classic skyline is x formerly known as twitter pretty much everyone does it every single all, article you read that's what it says if, if elon yeah. musk wants to pay us then we'll change what we're calling it but until he wants to sponsor us nah it's twitter very good i like that aggressive uh, but regular contributor, he, he's the writer at the famous Tartan Army magazine as well, John Bleasdale, who's been on the podcast loads. He said uh, that time to get this con artist out, a man that won eight out of ten games playing decent football as interim, but then when he gets the job, has us playing some of the worst brand of football I've ever seen from a Don's team, and 19 points off third. Very arrogant for someone who's underperforming. Obviously thinking about his post-match comments. It's, it's difficult for for any manager, um, and for even before Robson was in charge of Aberdeen, I'd heard very very positive reports on his coaching um, attributes, and he did do a good job when he first came in. Is is things getting too? Has it just gone too much for him this season? Because he's had some excellent results, but too many bad results for Don's fans. It seems. They've been complaining about him for so long now, and I don't think that uh, being guaranteed six games in Europe was the safety net for him, because they didn't mm. even do well in Europe either. He has been, yeah, he's been driving them up the wall. I think for a while now. He he does come across very arrogant for somebody who is very inexperienced for his age in a managerial role. He does come across like he has been in the game for 15, 20 years. Um, in this example on Saturday, I think they were actually quite unfortunate. I don't think the first goal that they got chalked off should have, I think it should have stood. Uh, outstanding yeah. strike by Majofsky as well. I think they were really hardly, harshly done by. And mm. it, like it's inevitable, it's sliding doors. You don't know where the game would have went. It'd been 1-0 up away from home. It could have been a completely different conversation we're having right now. But consistency over the course of the season he is not inspiring Aberdeen fans at all um, that's that's the bottom line they are not happy with him and they've been calling for him for a long long time this isn't anything new moving on to the other games as well because Kilmarnock could have had a really good uh, chance of of, um, of winning against Hibs but it ended a 2-2 uh, Dylan Venter uh, scored for Kilmarnock even though he plays for Hibs who signed him for about 700 grand so you're doing it wrong way Venter um, but Hibs did get a smashing goal of their own. Joe Newell, did you see this goal? Oh my God, he hit it so hard. Oh my God. He absolutely puts his whole fucking leg through it. Oh, it's great. But then uh, a first goal for 
the new lad, Maizani Maolida. Yeah, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, just his second game. But Hibs are still in sixth, just above Dundee by a single point. Kilmarnock are fourth, two points above St Mirren. So that's interesting. St Johnston played out a 1-1 draw with Motherwell um, with Theo Bear scoring for your old club, Laura. His third goal in his third game against his old club, St Johnston. Interesting. I like that. But can we rattle through the lower leagues as well, Laura? Can you kick things off with the championship? I feel like um, neither Dundee United or Race Rovers wanted to capitalise at the weekend. So Race Rovers, they lost 3-2 to Inverness. And at the same time, Dundee United had a goalless draw against Dunfermline. It's a fourth defeat for Race Rovers now in a row. Mm. What's happened to Race Rovers? The, the wheels have come off the bus here. They've, they've lost to Airdrie. They lost to Queen's Park. Obviously lost to Livy in the Cup, which I think busted a few coupons, to be fair. And now lost to Cali Thistle. And they've got Airdrie again next mm. week in the Challenge Cup. You're glossing over the point of Alex Samuel's nine-minute hat-trick. Yeah, that was class, to be fair. That's um, very impressive. Not half. And elsewhere, like, kind of a nod to Scott Brown as well. His first proper game in charge of Air United. He took over midweek. Stephen Whitaker, obviously, his assistant, because he follows them absolutely everywhere he goes. Um, 2-1-1 over Apart Queen's from Celtic. Park. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from, yeah. 2-1-1 uh, over Queen's Park at Hamden. Um, so, yeah. So, that's the kind of highlights of the championship. Highlights. Uh, League One, I'm going to kick things off for the mighty Queen of the South battling for those playoff places again um, goals from Jack Bryden who just came back from injury, really good defender, uh, and Kyle Doherty uh, a 2-0 crucial victory for the Mighty Queens over third place Cove Rangers, um, but yeah we're back into fifth place, levelling points with fourth place Montrose, so that little playoff spot is just within touching distance, just goal difference really um, stopping us, but yeah, they, Montrose drew one all with second place Hamilton so yeah, that's good news for Falkirk because they bounced back from defeat uh, to League Two Bonnie Rig in the in the Scottish Cup, uh, they won five nil against Alloa, so absolute drubbed Alloa. But Alloa part time, Falkirk full time. These things happen. Uh, so the Bairns are unbeaten. League Rig, their unbeaten league record record is intact, um, and it's an impressive eleven point lead at the top of the table. At League Two, we did mention um, Steny Stenhouse Muir at the top of the show. Uh, losing to Peterhead but interestingly they were actually only two wins away from the League 2 record of 14 straight wins and I can't find who has that record so I need to I need to do some digging on that but if anyone's listening and knows the answer you can get me on Twitter so that would be fun or X or, or, sorry or X thank you <laughs> <laughs> I think that kind of rattles through the weekend really I'm sure they will have missed tons but we only have so much time so thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Laura. And thanks to Anthony Joseph from Sky Sports News joining us as well. Sky Sports 2-1 on the podcast today, Laura. We'll have to get some... Is there any other Scottish representatives knocking around TNT? In fact, I know there probably isn't. Anyway. No, there really isn't. It's just you. Flying the flag. Oh, well, mate. Nice one. Thanks to you, the listener. You can get us on YouTube, obviously, and watch this and see the wonderful branding that Anthony Joseph had uh, <laughs> or we'll put it out on Twitter slash X, whatever. Uh, and yeah, Instagram, Facebook, uh, where else, Laura? I always ask you. TikTok. 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 Oh my God, I'm so old. You're missing out. Oh well. <laughs> well, it just leaves me now to say, go and listen to something else now. Goodbye. <laughs>